everyone. Welcome to Project Disaster with me, Kai, where I discuss industrial disasters around the world, their long-term impact on policymaking, civilian casualties, and more. Each of these disasters will be briefly summarized to demonstrate the damage that can be caused by corporations avoiding the law. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most infamous incidents throughout India's history, the Bhopal disaster. On December 2nd of 1984, the world in Bhopal seemed to crumble in on itself. Picture yourself in and among the ramshackle factory buildings of Madhya Pradesh, where the temperature can reach highs of nearly 30 degrees Celsius, even in the winter. Slowly, a toxic cloud of gas creeps throughout the city, picking up speed in the wind and gathers around your ankles as people begin to cough and lose consciousness around you. Later, you will learn that this gas is called methyl isocyanate, or MIC, and it's leaked from a pesticide plant nearby. For now, you must run for your life. As you cover your mouth with the collar of your shirt and race down the road, people are dying all around you. Even if you survive, your family is most likely dead by now. Over time, Bhopal citizens noticed that cancer rates and other illnesses were common among those that survived the gas leak of 1984. That can include mental illnesses as well, like paranoid schizophrenia or post-traumatic stress disorder. If someone survived the gas leak as a child, they might stop growing entirely. Plenty who survived that night were left blinded or otherwise disabled and will continue to struggle financially as a result for the rest of their lives. It is difficult to know how many died, because studies were not taken or published until after 1994, and by then, many Bhopal victims had died of natural causes, moved away, or even committed suicide. It is estimated that 8,000 people died over the next two weeks following the disaster, and that around 2,000 people on that night alone died. There were 520,000 people affected by this leak. For comparison, that's three-quarters of the population of Vancouver. For someone who survived this leak, justice has yet to come. The company that caused it, UCIL, is majority owned by another company, UCC. If you're like me and don't understand much about how company holdings work, I'll break it down for you. UCIL was owned, like I said, mostly by UCC. UCIL being the company that leaked the toxins. When I say mostly, I mean just over 50%, but the other 49.1% was owned by Indian investors, which includes the Indian government itself. There's an obvious and inherent problem with this. The Indian government was responsible for how much information was spread and how much money was paid in damages. That's the main reason why research wasn't publicly available until a decade later. Something unbelievable happened next. The government passed an act, the Bhopal Act, a year later that allowed the government to represent the victims of the Bhopal Act. In essence, the government was suing itself. To begin with, the procedures started through America and sued UCC. The Indian government requested five to $10 million for immediate relief. UCC said yes, but there was a catch. This couldn't mean that they were 
responsible for what happened if they gave these five to ten million dollars. The, the Indian government said, no, you are responsible. And so the proceedings continued. UCC tried again, offering $350 million. And again, the Indian government refused, asking for $3.3 billion. You're probably wondering why the Indian government is giving itself a hard deal. But this was all happening through America. America was an international political powerhouse, especially at the time, while China was still developing into the equal opponent that it is today. Looking good in front of America was pretty important to India. Also, UCC and Indian investors owned UCIL, but Indian investors didn't own UCC. That means that if UCC, the company being sued, tanks hard, Indian investors might be able to buy the rest of UCIL as well. Think of it as a fight in partnership for UCIL. Long story short, the Indian government is suing a company for killing and injuring over half a million citizens. You're probably wondering if anything good came from all this death and destruction. And yes, good did come from it. The world learned, yet again, what happens when rapid industrialization happens with little to no safety regulations accompanying it. It could be argued that this was India's wake-up call, a brutal equivalent to Three Mile Island. It was a lesson learned, and no other industrial disaster has occurred in India on this scale in the nearly 40 years since then. Bhopal victims still need your help. It's unknown what this toxin was because the company used trade secrecy as a reason to hide their formula, which was never released. That means that generations of people are refused an opportunity for an antidote. It's a harrowing reality, and it continues today. Much like Agent Orange, the Bhopal toxin can be passed on from generation to generation during birth. That means that more people are suffering from this toxin now than when the event happened. The money has run dry, the specified hospitals are closed, and victims are still left with more questions than answers. This is a dark story to start off with, but it's an important one, because Bhopal still has activism surrounding it to this day. I want you as listeners to keep in mind that the word disaster doesn't mean a short-term event. The effects of what I am discussing are large and long-lasting, and there is still a chance for us to help the affected. I hope that episode one was as interesting and informative to listen to as it was for me to research. See you next time.